The Love Life Podcast. guys welcome back to the love life and today we are going to dispel some myths that could be perpetuating some of the misery in the dating world and in our relationships annie as always has got all the information she is our relationship coach annie we're talking about fairy tales and how we're going to smash them today's episode is called fuck fairy tales how do you feel about fairy tales in the dating world annie oh (laughs) That's my feeling. (laughs) Okay, so we've got a lot of fairy tales. We've got about six or seven that we're going to go through today on today's podcast. And hopefully when you listen to this podcast, you may have a few aha moments and that you may realize, you know what, this is exactly why things aren't going well for me in the dating world. So fairy tale number one that we want to smash today is expectations. Expectations in the dating world. Annie, why are these bad in the dating world? Oh, they lead to so much suffering. I mean, like if we're to even look at the first one, um, this idea of being passive or looking pretty enough, um, my prince will come along. You know, I'm in a coma waiting and waiting for my prince to arrive. You know, waiting to be rescued even. That very idea in itself means there is something... I'm always at a juncture in my life. So life life isn't good enough as it is. I need to be rescued from this life. I think we all suffer from that. Mm. I think, you know, that comes from, I know we want to say fuck fairy tales mm. today, but that actually comes from ladybird books and fairy tales. That someone, your prince is going to come and rescue. Your princess is going to come and rescue. Somebody is going to be saved mm. and make your life better. We all kind of have that expectation a little bit, don't we, in the dating yeah. world? Is that a wrong thing to have? We have the expectation, but the problem with thinking that um, somebody else will rescue us is that we don't realise the source of our own power. We don't realise that we are the centre of our own happiness. And if we're constantly believing that somebody else is going to show up, we may never actually realise how powerful we are as beings. So we have to do things for ourselves, basically. Yeah, it's it's less romantic. But the idea is if I can actually realize the source of my own power, I can I can take responsibility mm. for the creation of the life that I have been given. So it puts me in the driving seat a little bit more. Mm. So it's a completely different perspective than believing that my life will begin once I meet the partner mm. or once I'm in the relationship, that everything will, you know, um, become better at that point. You know what, you're saying it right now, but how, mm. how do you change that perspective when you have been on dating apps, when you have been waiting so long to actually meet a fella in a bar or mm. a girl in a bar or whoever, you know, how, how do you change that mindset? Mm. I, uh, it comes from bashing your head off a wall for long <laughs> enough <laughs> to realize it actually hurts. Oh my God, doing the same thing, doing over the same and over. thing, and and achieving the same results. Oh my God, and also for me personally and for a lot of my clients it's this idea of being in victim mentality it's a really low energy level to be in this place of why me you know why is this happening to me why 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 do all my friends why have they met somebody how come like my two friends are going out with each other such a long time and it's easy for them 
Yeah. So there's comparison too. We look around us and, 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 you know, it's naive of us to not mention the societal expectations that go with our own expectations. And the societal expectation that's fed to us, you know, from a very young age is that being in a relationship and 2.4 children is the ideal. Mm. So if I'm not achieving the ideal, then there must be something wrong with me. Mm. Why is it that I can't achieve this thing that everybody else appears to be achieving so easily? Because we always believe it's so easy for other people. And actually, in, you know, in a lot of cases, it can be easier for some people. It very much depends on your, your, um, your family of origin. You know, what were your experiences of love growing up? What were your experiences of relationships? Um, for a lot of people who may have experienced trauma in childhood, it can be really hard for them to be able to stay open to love. Really? You know, yeah, because if you think of occasions when perhaps you were shutting down to love, uh, and it may not have been your experience, Tracy, but I know personally speaking and also professionally, when I see clients who are shutting down and, and myself, it was due to the fact that there was unprocessed trauma. You know, we hadn't kind of worked through what was blocking us in love mm. because it's defense. It's it's a very natural part of us to want to protect ourselves. So if we're in relationship and we're meeting with somebody who kind of threatens that sense of safety in us, then we will shut down. So for a lot of people, actually being aware of your patterns in love can be really helpful. Okay, but what about then when you're in a relationship and you have these expectations that your partner should be this, they should be a mind reader, they should be your counsellor, they should know how you're feeling, they should act the way you would like them to act when you are going through a particular thing. Mm -hmm. Expectations in your partner when you do get into a relationship. Is that a fairy tale too that we need to smash? Absolutely. The idea of a perfect relationship. I think a really interesting question to ask ourselves is what do we or how do we view relationships? What is your what is your um, mission statement for relationship? Why are you in relationship? Is it to grow with your partner or you know, what, what is your rationale? Mm. Um, but I do think the question you're asking around couples in relationships and this he should or she should or, or they should, um, this idea, uh, definitely we need to, we need to, you know, kind of blow this one apart because the idea that my partner should be able to read my mind is a real problem. If you're constantly believing that your partner will read your mind, you're overlooking your role again and your responsibility in the relationship. And the partner is, you know, the source of the blame. He's or they are at fault for the issue in the relationship. So instead of complaining, how about you actually share with your partner how you would like to be treated? Because this is one of the most common ways that we can relieve a lot of problems is actually by just sharing with the other person what it is that upsets us or how we'd like things to be. But for some reason, we find that quite challenging. I, 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 I don't know why I find that challenging, but I do. Mm-hmm. I, like I've been in that situation where I want my partner to react in a certain way or comfort me in a certain way mm-hmm. and to talk it through because I'm a talker. But they're very silent. I'm just like, I don't need silence at this moment in time. I need I need a plan, you know, where they would be 
sort of person to just say nothing and sit with you and it's a lovely thing but I'm just like you know so I have this expectation that they should know what I need but I've actually never communicated that you know so instead of sitting there and seething or getting even more frustrated what would it be like for you to say actually I would really like it if you could you know help me with planning you know what I think it might have been and this is crazy to say it might be I might have felt like why didn't they know how to react Mm. are they not like they should know how to react they they said like I love this person they're in my life they they should know why do I have to tell the person how to react to me like that obviously is very immature but that's how Mm. I was feeling at the time they should know they should know and I know they should know there's the fairy tale Mm. well we've smashed that one (laughs) 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 you have if you want something in your life you have like nobody's a mind reader no we have to again be in the driving seat realize that we have responsibility but I also think to have responsibility uh, and to be able to ask for what you need you have to know yourself well enough so it comes back to that piece of do I have enough self-knowledge am I aware and am I willing to take that risk so am I willing to risk being vulnerable here to really show up that's the key isn't it Mm. being vulnerable to be vulnerable and also to risk the rejection because there's a there, there's a possibility when I ask for something that the person may say no. And I think that's a lot of the reasons why sometimes people struggle to really put, to, you know, to share in that way, to be vulnerable in that way. If I'm going to ask you for something, there's a chance you may be able to do this thing for me. And there's also a chance you may not. So it's almost like um, there's sort of a... a, a, a a break in our brain mm. that is kind of missing that piece where um, I might be able to ask for this and I might actually receive. Yeah. You know? Wow. Okay, that is so interesting. Mm. But that is the fairy tale of having expectations in relationships, in the dating world. Mm. I absolutely love your analogy of bashing your head off a wall if you're if you still have that <laughs> expectation that in the dating world, if you find your perfect partner, they're not going to rescue you mm-hmm. and they're not going to make your life better. You have this mm-hmm. expectation. You've got to do that yourself. I absolutely love that, Annie. So listen, that is the fairy tale of expectations absolutely debunked today. <laughs> We've got another one for you. Timelines. This is the fairy tale of timelines. We should be doing this. Mm-hmm. I should be doing this. At this stage in my life, I should be doing this. As a relationship coach and counsellor and dating counsellor, Annie, do you find, I don't know, with all sexes, that this is a pressure cooker that we put on ourselves? The timeline. Oh, 100%. The timeline is something that I wish uh, we could uh, do away with completely because if people didn't actually know what age they were, I wonder would they feel the same sense of uh, I should uh, be at a certain point. Um, oh you my know. God, that's so true. Mm. Mm. Like it, when people are turning 30, it's like I should have this, I should have this. But if you didn't know what age you were, you, you'd be still having a great time. Yeah. So if we could lose sight of our age, um, I mean, it sounds like maybe a little bit of a naive thing to say, because, of course, there's, there are certain things that we know are bones of contention as for a lot of my clients. And both you and I have discussed this, you know, um, around meeting somebody, around marriage, around babies. Again, we must not forget the environment that we live in and the impact society has on us and the way that we compare ourselves to other people. So for a lot of people, a big um, time timeline can be around uh, 
when I meet somebody. It's almost like there's a deadline by which love should show up. And we all know there isn't a deadline for mm. that. We think when we're in relationship, OK, the next thing is the house, perhaps, or the next thing is the baby or whatever it might be in your in your in your in your relationship. Mm. But we constantly set these bar for, bars for ourselves that once we achieve this, then we can achieve happiness or then it will all be OK. And that just kind of puts off the idea of discovering how to be happy in the now. Um, and, 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 and does it really, you know, do we ever achieve that sense of happiness when we meet, you know, these particular timelines that we have? What do you say to clients when they come to you to talk about uh, approaching 40 and are single and may want a baby and they feel completely pressurized and I get it I get that pressure mm -hmm. like I myself are in, I'm in the same age bracket now mm -hmm. and I don't feel like that I've hit 40 I don't feel like that I am geriatric mm -hmm. um the way science and and maternity hospitals may grade you but um how do you what do you say to clients who have that pressure on themselves who are single yeah, it's it's really difficult for them. And they 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 then have to go through this uh, process of discovering, you know, even if they're ambiguous about babies, whether or not yeah. they might want one at some point, which is a really, really hard place to be because they're 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 not at that point where perhaps they're considering having one um but they're afraid that if they don't make a decision now that they might regret it later so i i, I always think this is probably one of the di most difficult places to be because at least for the people who are sure they want children there are steps that they can take and lots of them do take and and that can relieve a little bit of the anxiety or the worry people who don't want children that's pretty straightforward but it's the people who are ambiguous I always find that, that, that that's it's most challenging for them um what would I say to people who are trying for babies and again it's 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 just not happening for them um it's it's similar to to lots of things that we want that we can't have it's 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 desperately hard I'm not going to pretend it's not but the the habit of trying to let go or surrender is a process too and it doesn't happen overnight so having to let go that of the idea that when I achieve this thing again life will be better or you know um uh, I will have reached uh, you know a, a new a new level of satisfaction or a high it's that I try and achieve my happiness and my satisfaction today for exactly where I am which again you know it can be hard. You know, I don't know that people really uh, speak about that. Your 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 um, journey through satis to satisfaction or to happiness isn't always, you know, paved in gold. Sometimes it's hard. Mm, Oftentimes yeah. it's hard, actually. Yeah. Mm. Um, we were talking earlier about biology mm -hmm. and like people approaching 40 or in their 40s. And if they do want to go down a journey of having a baby, um, that timeline, that tick, tick, tick of biological, biological clock. But then, you know, we have science now, which I think is just a beautiful, wonderful thing. Um, because there's so many people who want to have a baby, whatever relationships they're in. And it is possible. Uh, it's mm -hmm. expensive, but it is possible, I think. Um, but it is, it is, it is a fairy tale myth that we really need to smash, though, about putting that pressure on ourselves. Because I think when you're pressurizing nothing gets done mm -hmm. you can't see the wood from the trees you just feel that constant worry and pressure and anxiety over these things mm -hmm. um 
Yeah, so it's baby steps, isn't it? And I think what makes it even more challenging is it's something we can't really have full control over. Mm. So it can be similar to lots of things that we don't have full control over, even in terms of meeting somebody. You know, I really want this thing. I desire this thing. Sometimes if we actually let the desire break us open, there is something in that, you know. How do you do that? Really dropping into the desire to feel what it's like to really, really want something and to realize that there's kind of a bliss point in that too, you know, without it having to be this sense of grasping, this kind of desperation of wanting to control the feeling, but to drop into it and to try and find the bliss point in it. I, I want this so much. I desire this so, so much. You know, it's it's a different place than anger, you know, which can be the other side of that coin. I deserve this. Like yeah. it, it's more of a, a softer approach, mm. more blissful approach. It's like a longing. You know, if you think of I'm longing for this thing. Can too. I tell you how I feel though when you say that? I feel mm. that's a bit of desperate now, being a bit desperate about it. And that is a desperate desperation to me has negative connotations. Yeah. Is yeah. that... And maybe that's a limiting belief that yeah, to long and to really drop into that emotion, that fully embodied emotional state of being at one with the longing. Like it's it, when you actually do it and you practice it, it definitely feels different from the why the fuck is this not happening? Yeah. Which can be the other side of the coin. Yeah. You know, that I'm 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 really frustrated with how things are and I want things to be different and you're you're back to kind of you're smashing your head off the wall again. Whereas if you drop into the emotional place, which is different, it's almost like the bashing your head off the wall is the head action. It's like I'm I want to think my way out of this. Whereas dropping into your body and your emotional state, it's it's different. And and I, I think actually the ego. Yeah, that's it, Tracy. And I don't think even words can convey the difference between the two until you kind of surrender. It's part of surrender, jump, kind of, kind of um, dropping into the, the the longing and the desire. It's it's allowing the emotion that's here to be right. Okay. For the emotion that you're feeling to be right, um, and for you to allow it space. Yeah. So with the timeline fairy tale you could have people listening to this just going but I'm 42 and I'm single I'm 48 and I'm single I'm in my 50s -hmm. what do you say to people who have that response to this timeline pressure yeah this is this is your experience this is exactly where you're at and 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 let's try and own this you know let's try and own this is exactly where you are and let's look at this exact experience and for all its beauty um, and also look at the opportunities that this experience of yours is offering you right now in terms of maybe breaking you open some more or maybe uh, as an opportunity to you know get to know yourself some more um, or to get to know what you love or to understand what it is that lights you up you know I think a lot of us are you know the 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 light is kind of plugged out at the moment you know you're kind of like waiting we're back to that earlier myth you know I'm waiting for something to be different and we're in this helpless place that is yeah that is not fun that's not fun no yeah it's like the timeline the pressure of it 
get rid of it and enjoy the now, mm-hmm. like enrich your life now, today, mm-hmm. tomorrow. Stop looking forward to the, with the what ifs. Mm-hmm. Like, are we are we judging our lives based on the lives of another person? Or our parents. Or our parents. Or our friends, yeah. Friends. So you see, we have so many choices at the moment. Sometimes too, you know, sometimes too many choices bring um, challenges as well. Mm. You know, um, there's a guy called uh, Swartz. He spoke. He speaks about choices, and he says if we've any more than six, it can turn into a very stressful uh, situation. Trying to reduce our number of choices down to that, you know, one or two. Um, so I think at the moment we live in a society where we have an abundance of choice, and actually yeah. that can lead to so much more stress. Do you know that I'm decorating my house at the moment? I do. <laughs> and I've got like about 15 stripes on my wall of colour paint. So I understand that. Because if the choice was down to two stripes, I would have made my choice by now. It is so hard. It's so hard. In anything in life. Oh. And that is a paint analogy now that our mm. listeners can get on board with. When you have so much choice, you can't. It's like being at a pick and mix. Yeah. You don't know what to be picking. So you pick all of it. Yeah. So, 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 so hard. So, so what it comes down to is getting clear on your needs. You yeah. know, what are your priorities? What are your needs? And uh, for that to allow you to, to give you a little bit of a steer and to realize that you don't have to go this alone. You know, when you're really at sea, you don't have to go it all alone. The support of building, well, building community is great, but the support of other people and seeking out tailored support as well is, is really important. Fairy tale. Number three, mm-hmm. where we're going to smash this one. We are going to smash this one. It is a partner will not rescue me, nor will they complete me. Annie, discuss. Oh. Yeah, it's so common. People believing that um, once I meet the partner, um, all will be well. And as we know, that is just it's just not true. You know, um, I think this is quite a, a, a damaging one because it can lead to people um, accepting partners in their life that may not be good for their mental health. So you may forgo your own happiness or well-being. You may betray yourself and... Yeah, you can do that. Just be with somebody for the sake of being in a relationship, even though they may not be your right partner. Yeah, or you can... you Yeah, and people can be in relationships and they can struggle in that relationship because a part of them may feel as though, you know, they're not fulfilled completely by the relationship and yet they feel that they should be. So there's always this, for a lot of people, there can be a tug of war um, with this 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 belief that, you know, the partner will, will complete me or rescue me. And um, yeah, again, it puts you back into that helplessness place. You know, you're no longer in the driving seat. It's the other person who's going to take you out of this place called misery, which mm-hmm. of course is, is, is nonsense. You know, this is our work. And if we go into relationships believing it's the work of a partner, then um, the relationship will ultimately, you know, it's going to be very hard to survive or to grow in that relationship. I, I think I was about 33 when I realized nobody else has the power to make me happy except me. And it was a George Michael song. <laughs> I love it. But nobody else has the power to make you happy. So mm. a partner, a person, someone you're dating, mm. nobody has that power to make you happy. They're not going to rescue you. They're not going to complete you. Nobody else has that power to change how you feel inside. Only you can do that by doing the work. Mm. I have been in relationships before where I think that this person is going to make me happy because they tick this box or that box or because 
of how they look or, or whatever, you know, but actually, ultimately, this is, (laughs) (laughs) but ultimately, nobody else can make you happy except you. Uh, like, yeah, I that wish, was a big I thing. That was a big could, thing for me. It's, but it's a huge realisation. It's huge because we read all these lovely Instagram posts about, you know, nobody can make you happy but yourself. And, and, and it, we, it's almost like overkill. It's like we hear the message, but we don't absorb the message. But if I was listening to this and I was 32 and didn't realise this, I'd be like, Annie and Tracy, how, how, how do I make myself happy? How do I make, you know... Uh, if I'm single right now, if I'm in a relationship and my partner's not fulfilling my needs, do I break up with a person? Like, if I'm not happy, what do I do? And I'm not talking about, uh, like, you're not happy, you need to to ask yourself, is your mental health okay? It's like, fundamentally, in your gut, if you are happy in your situation that you're in right now or your day-to-day business, like, how do you know? I think this is something that people don't give enough attention to. It's... Because it's a big question. You know, if I'm not happy, what do I do? But we need to slow down for long enough to realise that we are not happy. Uh, we also need to slow down enough to realise what it is that um, contributes to our happiness. So if we are, you know, going um, at life 100 miles an hour, there's going to be very little chance for us to even take stock of what it is that contributes to my happiness or does not. So the first Port of call is that I'm going to pay attention. I have to realize I need to start paying attention to my life. I need to become more aware of what it is that um, brings me joy. Mm. So we have to start at that point. You will have some indication, you'll have some innate wisdom that would answer the question of where do you feel most happy or least happy in your life? So, I mean, we can both probably hazard a guess right now that there's aspects of our lives like personal life, you know, relationships, intimate relationships, friendships. Um, We could think of our career. We could think of our family, relationships with our family. Um, There's so many facets of our life and we could probably grade each one of those to get some indication as a starting point as to where I'm most unhappy at the moment and start looking at one of those aspects rather than you know what's that expression about eating an elephant you can't eat the whole elephant so (laughs) I don't think I've ever heard an expression about an elephant tell me it what's going on you can't eat a whole one okay can you even imagine like attempting to eat an elephant but yeah so you have to break it down I remember talking to to you about when I first got with Mark and you know when you see people in a relationship and they might say in an Instagram post, oh, they make me so happy. Mm. They make me so happy. In my relationship with Mark, after being through so many relationships, like, you know, that's why I'm doing this podcast, because I have got form. <laughs> <laughs> I've got experience. You've got the expertise. I've got the experience. <laughs> but I remember talking to Mark and, you know, Mark saying, you know, you make me so happy. And it was a beautiful compliment. And I remember being after being like say through everything I've been through which we'll get you on this podcast you'll get all the gossip don't you worry I remember saying no 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 like I don't make you happy I I I hope I enhance your life you make you happy and I make me happy and together we'll be two people who are content with ourselves who are able to have a nice relationship because we're working on ourselves continuously Mm. all the time 
Um, I was very proud of myself in that moment. I remember saying to my mom, this is what happened. And she went, isn't that a great thing? Isn't that a great thing that you are at this time in your life? We kind of go, no, 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 hang on. I make me happy. You make you happy. And together we can do it. Gorgeous. And that's that fairy tale. I think that's one of my most, if I was to give advice to people, unsolicited advice, you know, here you go, dishing it in your ears. <laughs> I would say, make yourself happy. Yeah. No one else can. George Michael said it. No one else has the power to make you happy except you. That's it. How can I help you? <laughs> I can heal the pain. You can do it yourself. You can do it yourself. You know, there are fairy tales. We've got another one, though. We've got a couple it. of more. You know, we are totally, um, yeah, smashing these fairy tales that I think, as you said, these are the self-limiting beliefs. These are the things that maybe make dating or relationships a little bit difficult because these are these are myths that we have in our heads about relationships marriage is not the end game this mm. is a fairy tale that we want to absolutely smash mm-hmm. right now getting on the dating scene finding the love of your life deciding to tie a knot in the institution of marriage and then thinking that's it i've achieved the goal and that you know that's why people say maybe marriage the first year of marriage is the hardest one. Even if you've been with the person for about 10 years, mm. marriage is not the end game. Mm-hmm. I often wonder if in Ireland we place way too much importance on marriage. Um, not People sure. want the party. Yeah, <laughs> is it that? Is it, well, is it that? Is it that or is it the religious side of things? It seems to me like there's so many, you know... Years ago, possibly. Well, listen, with... I don't know, modern Ireland now, I don't see that there's an emphasis on religion because look yeah. at the amount of weddings that are happening, you know, in little yeah. houses, country houses, you know, in unconsecrated uncons- grounds. It's Maybe it's not. I suppose maybe it's just the rituals that are associated with marriage. There's so many of them. Yeah. You know, that you just don't see with obviously being single. And it's it's funny because we can't even have the conversation about being single uh, without talking about love or relationships. You know, like there's something a little bit wrong about that, I think, too. You know, that even the questions that come up all the time, you know, when you're going to a family wedding and you're asked, you know, for maybe the 20th year running. Uh, <laughs> I know. How's the love life? How's the love life? Uh, how and that's the question. How is the love life? Well, the love life? And I think that's a beautiful thing, which is why the podcast is called How's the Love Life? Because how many times you asked it when you're single mm. or in your family? No one asks you when you're married. Mm-hmm. I wouldn't say. And it could be desperate, you could be desperately unhappy because it's not working out or the work mm. hasn't been put in or something has happened. Life happens. You know, so once somebody has, um, you know, done the whole marriage thing, it's like they no longer get asked these prying questions about the relationship and how it is or even how's your sex life. Yeah. Imagine if we responded to people who were in relationships. <laughs> your auntie Maura said to you, how's your sex life? You're like, well, hang on. Well, <laughs> relax, Maura. Yeah. But it's that it's that intimate a question to ask somebody who's single. Why is it that we think it's so sacred for people who are married to no longer be asked invasive questions so about their true. relationship. That is so true. Mm. We would mm. never ask a married person, how's your relationship? You just don't. No, you don't. Mm. So How would it go down? Would you be opening up an absolute <laughs> can of worms? <laughs> well, hang on, I'll tell you. Like, Well, I'm not asking that question anyway for obvious <laughs> reasons because I don't want to have to listen to somebody's woes when I'm, when I'm socialising. But yeah, 
Yeah. So it's almost like single people are waiting in purgatory for this reward, which is marriage. Is that how it's been viewed? I think in my 20s, I would have viewed it that way. Mm. I would have viewed it like when I get married. It's like it was a fairy tale. Mm -hmm. It was an absolute fairy tale. Now at this age, it's not a fairy tale. It's, It's a nice thing be a lovely thing to do mm. I you know it'd be a lovely great great party great <laughs> party all my friends there getting dressed up in a guna like that is I love where your focus is at but Tracy's it's, it's great no, and you know <laughs> so immature even at this age like I still have the same focus no but <laughs> like no if I was to get married obviously I was to get married I was I was engaged before but I'm engaged again mm. and the ceremony of that is a beautiful thing the love and the outpouring of love that people give you when you announce an engagement is a, is a, God, it knocks you for six. It's so gorgeous. Pandemic has happened and we, uh, we had to cancel our wedding. We didn't postpone. We decided to cancel basically because we couldn't be arsed with the hassle. Like that was it. We are just, we're just not that sort of people. And there's been so many couples who got married in the year of 2020 with 15 or two or four or 50. And we looked at each other so many times going, will we just get married with our families two of us were like no <laughs> and that's my answer to people when they say oh would you not just get married just to do it and I was like no don't see the point <laughs> we don't, like, and you know Mark is a very loving partner and so easygoing. but when I asked him the question would we just get married together just to be married to each other he was like no <laughs> so I don't know. Maybe it's an expensive party that we're looking for, but I, I, I don't know. Yeah, each to their own. Each, each to their own. Like that—that that is it. But this fairy tale of like we don't have that fairy tale of marriage in our mm. head. Like we don't have a oh, you know, it's just something that we want to do together. Mm. We want to do it. Um, if we don't do it, will it be the be all and end all? Absolutely not. Will it change our relationship? Absolutely not. Mm. Um, it might make it you know, one of us more secure in their relationship. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, it's interesting, isn't it? Like why for some people it brings security, yeah. but essentially it's not something that's fixed. We already have security. Yeah. We already have security. Like, you know, I'm going nowhere, you know, I hope, I don't know, have to ask him yourself, <laughs> but I, I don't think he is. But I feel like we're already married. You know, I definitely feel like we already are. Mm-hmm. Um, it would be the icing on the, on the cake. But marriage is not the end game, Mm-mm. I think, you know, or marriage, sorry, the fairy tale is that marriage is the end game. That is the the fairy tale. That's the myth. Yeah. I think. Uh, well, in a healthy, mature adult relationship, Tracy, uh, marriage is, you know, whatever it is, whatever it means to you and your partner. But it certainly isn't end game. If mm. you believe it's end game, then you're going to be back to that previous myth that we spoke about. It, they should just know. They should just know and I I I shouldn't have to tell them because once we're married, it should mean da da da. Mm. You know, so um you don't want to be in that place because you want to be eyes open going mm. into this is an extension of our relationship, doing probably very similar things that we've been doing for the last number Some of, of years. Some of my divorced friends said it was super easy to get married, horrendous to get divorced. Mm-hmm. Um time consuming financially consuming, emotionally heart-wrenching. Mm. Um, it's so easy to get married. Um, it's a legal binding contract. It's nothing to do with love mm-hmm. unless it's the religious ceremony part of it or the humanist ceremony or whatever 
whatever ceremony you're going to have, your own made up ceremony, you make it as beautiful or as romantic as you mm. want to. But in the eyes of Irish law, it's a legal binding contract. Um, you know, if marriage is an end game for people who are in a relationship and just want to get a ring on their finger or to have the big day or to propose to somebody just to, to, to as a next box that's ticked. Mm-hmm. And, you know, like, yeah, I, I know of people who may have done that, who, who didn't get married in the end, but it was like the next thing to do. Mm-hmm. You might rush into the wrong sort of relationship just because a proposal has happened and find two years down the line that you're like, shit, I'm not into this at all because it was rushed Mm -hmm. because the fairy tale or the temptation to get married was like fun Mm -hmm. and a a glistening little bit of, yeah, she will do that. Sure. Why not? But actually are these people ticking your boxes? Are you happy in yourself? Have you done the work to be in a relationship, to take on a relationship? You know? Yeah. Yeah, there's so much in it. And it's like you said, uh, what marriage meant decades ago is very different to what it means now. You know, love was not an, even an expectation then. It was like, it was a, a bonus yeah. if there was love present. But it was more about the the sense of being committed to another person, but really... Um, as a protection for the family and for land and things like that. The most unromantic thing ever in all cultures, in all cultures around the world, marriage is not romantic, really. Love is romantic. Yeah. Yeah. And what love means. Mm. You know, my belief around love is that it's, it's something that can be honed. It's something that you know, can be learned. We can we can learn about loving behavior. I mean, I think loving behavior makes up, you know, love itself, or at least it's it's kind of a byproduct of it. Um, and to be able to love well, we need to know ourselves well. We need to know how to love ourselves well first and foremost. And then, how do we know or how do we become good at loving another person? It's kind of from that source. Uh, it's also. Uh, Do I have skills to support? Do I have knowledge? Do I have education to understand what it might take for me to become better at this thing that just, you know, I've never learned, never had a class at how to be good at loving somebody. When I was going through a breakup years ago, my friend said to me, and he was married, I'd say about two years, he said, Tracy, do you know what? Love is a verb. Love is not just a thing Mm. that you presume that you have in a relationship. Everybody has to work at it every single day by doing loving things. It's mm-hmm. like, how do I love? It's a, is it, you know, this is my love, I'm making a cup of tea in the morning, or this is my love, I'm looking after myself, or this is my love that I'm doing that. And I just thought that was, that was a revelation to me years ago. Mm-hmm. You know, love is a verb. So marriage ain't an end game. No. No, it really isn't. It isn't. So we're smashing all the fairy tales here on the podcast today. Ooh. Um, hopefully there's been some aha moments um, there definitely has been with me just sitting here in front of Annie and I talk about relationships all the time with Annie but um, we've got one more a baby will make it better there's a little fairy tale there now yeah well neither of us have babies so it's hard for us to be completely um, able to demythify this one but It's similar to the others, you know, this idea that once I achieve this external thing, 
um, my life will be complete or my life will will turn around. Um, not so sure. So when you say a baby will not make it better, we're not talking to people who are absolutely, as you said, longing, getting into the the feeling of the bliss of mm. wanting a baby. That's not what we're talking about at all. It's more like do you know what? I want a baby because that will bring us closer together in our relationship. No, generally a relationship from from my experience, my understanding, um, relationship needs to be pretty solid um, for the baby to arrive and for things to be. Um, it's, it's tough from everything I hear about having a baby. It's like not for the faint hearted. <laughs> I've heard this term being used as like a band-aid baby or when baby number two has arrived and maybe you probably haven't connected with your partner in a long time, the suggestion of baby number three yeah. um, may arise um, for that connection of closeness and those happy hormones. Like, like I, I don't have a kid. I don't have two, let alone one. Mm-hmm. Um, I have a dog and I know how... Uh, time consuming <laughs> of a puppy. <laughs> so like, you know, I'm actually just, yes, I am. <laughs> I'm comparing babies and puppies together. Okay. That's okay. I'm a dog mom. It's the exact same as being a mom. <laughs> well, exactly what we're saying. It's not about the babies. It's not, it's about the no. external factor is not going to make your relationship better. That is the fairy no. tale that we're actually smashing here. And you know what else? People forget that there's other ways that you can improve upon your relationship. People forget that there's actually relationship skills that can support me and my partner becoming closer together. I mean, at the moment, I was banging on to you only a few days ago, Tracy, about this amazing um, work of a guy called David Dida and um, John Wineland, who speak about intimate communion, like the polarity between the sexes. And there is so much in that. Like, I am just, my teeth are just like, you know, I'm kind of just, getting into it at the moment but like for 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 example um knowing what it is to be fully embodying our feminine presence um can make a huge difference and for, for you know similarly um for for the masculine part too um for us to be fully embodying um who we are um can make a huge difference in terms of of um increasing desire and sensuality in our relationships and i just think we do not know enough about this and people don't know this information exists that actually I could improve my relationship by um well I mean Esther Perel would speak a lot about to enhance desire is to uh come back to yourself you know a little bit of space actually can can support desire so that's why with the lockdown it has had such a huge impact on on relationships um but there's lots of unless you read or unless you educate yourself, you you may look for the quick fix. And if the quick fix is a holiday or if the quick fix is a baby or, you know, for some people, the quick fix can be um, can be an affair. You know, it's like I, I'm craving something. I'm craving closeness or I'm craving intimacy. I, I'm not getting that in my my relationship right now. So what do I do? It's again, this search on the outside for something that we can work at on the inside, but we just don't know how. I think that's a big, big part of it too. That's amazing. So if somebody is listening to this and finds themselves in that dilemma mm. of wanting to fix something or wanting to gain that intimacy or realizing that something's wrong or that they're not getting their needs met mm. in their relationship, um, what would be your advice? 
Well, get a third party involved, you know. Uh, There's nothing greater than being able to sit together with a third person and air what is really on your mind without things having to turn into World War Three. You know, um, that's one step. Uh, another and it's not a weakness. Like no. going to counselling, whether you're in uh, a non-married relationship, like, you know, you don't have to only go to marriage counselling because you're married. You can go if, you know, you're seeing somebody for like eight months. You can go at any time. Yeah. Yeah. We're back to that same thing. The reason you go to see a, a, a relationship coach or relationship counsellor is to get to have somebody else you know we all have blind spots so you're not going to be able to access those yourself so the support of a of a third party can just be there to highlight some of the ways in which you can improve and enhance your relationship and that's that is it that is it in a nutshell people might think that going to get help is a sign of weakness Mm -hmm. and it means that there's something wrong with the relationship or that you have to get fixed and people may not want to be vulnerable or air their dirty laundry in adverted commas. But actually what it is, is we are going to talk to this person so we can love each other better. Oh, that's, you put that so well. That's exactly it. So we can love each other better. Uh, so we can even love each other, our, ourselves more and give ourselves less of a hard time. Because sometimes when we're in a relationship and things are not going well, we can have the tendency to either look outwards and blame the other party or we can be of the other end of that spectrum and internalize everything and blame yourself too much you know that strong inner critic um so yeah so it's important that that, that to get a little bit of objectivity you involve you know a professional yeah annie as always i could talk to you about relationships all day instead we just did it for about 50 minutes today (laughs) um i hope you've enjoyed listening to our podcast the love life uh yeah i think we smashed all those fairy tales and we hope that you may have gotten a little nugget of knowledge there to make your relationship or your dating world a little bit easier and to bring more happiness into your life see you soon Thank you so much for listening to this week's episode of the Love Life podcast with the relationship coach Annie Lavin and me, Tracy Clifford. As always, if you've enjoyed this episode and think a friend or a family member could benefit from hearing it, then please share this podcast. We'd also love you could take a minute to rate, review and or subscribe to the podcast as it really helps to spread the word and normalise how we can all struggle in love and how we're all not alone. If you've already done this, amazing. And thank you so much for your support. Talk to you soon.